0: It was such a bizarre story and they they posted an, on the internet I saw Twitter showed a, an old tweet from DeAndre Baker showed him wearing gold chains and stuff and this is years ago he's probably like a teenager here and he's like I go where the money goes and it's like yeah well you did yeah sure and you took it you're listening to unscripted with Mike and Chris brutally honest sports talk and now here is Mike Jansen.
1: Aaron Rodgers spoke to the media for the first time since that infamously bad Packer draft on Friday as we welcome you to this 506th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. We are here. Um, Hope everything is as good as it can be as we continue to go through this COVID-19 pandemic. Wherever you are, I hope you're staying safe and staying strong. I think we've got We've got some life at the end of that tunnel coming. I know that some places are moving along faster than others, like the state of Florida and like the state of Arizona, where as we're broadcasting here today on, I believe it's the 16th of May, Saturday, uh, professional sports can restart in the state of Arizona today. They've obviously been going now for a week or so in the state of Florida because of all the UFC fighting going on down in the state of Florida. That's why I truly believe in my heart of hearts when we do potentially get Major League Baseball back or the NBA back, it's going to be in one of these states that are a little bit more moving forward with a little bit more rapidity, let's say, than some other states. Like here in in uh, Calgary, um, Everything was supposed to start or phase one of our re-entry plan was supposed to start taking effect yesterday, May the 15th. But here in Alberta, it's been delayed till June the 1st, maybe something like that, because there have been some more, there's been a spike in the last couple of days in regard to more cases of the COVID-19 in Calgary and a little town east of here called Brooks, Alberta. So they've delayed it a couple more weeks. But uh, the big news in my house today was that the Chinook Mall was open. So my daughter was all excited about that. That's great. Go spend your money, dear. A lot of things to talk about on this 506th episode. I talked about Aaron Rodgers, who addressed the media via a video conference yesterday with his first comments since the drafting of Jordan Love, now about a month ago, three weeks ago, whatever it was. Aaron Rodgers on retiring as a Packer, he says, and I quote, may not be a reality, end quote. I think it's very much a reality that Aaron Rodgers will end his career in somebody else's jersey, which is really sad. People want to compare this to the Brett Favre thing of 15 years ago, but let me tell you folks, a lot of difference. First and foremost, Aaron Rodgers was a legitimate number one overall pick in that 2005 draft. I don't care what anybody says. Also, Brett Favre was every year was always talking about retiring. So the Packers had to address the quarterback position. And when a guy of Rodgers' talent slips to number 24, yeah, even Ted Two-Tone Thompson can figure that one out. You're going to take him. So there is no no similarity between this situation and the Favre and Rodgers situation 15 years ago. I do feel a little bit bad though. A little bit, not too much, but a little bit bad for Jordan Love because he's going in,
0: It's not his fault. It's not
1: his fault. He didn't want to be drafted specifically to the Green Bay Packers. He wanted to be drafted by somebody. And it just happened to be the Green Bay Packers at number 26 in last month's NFL draft. The Score mobile app on my phone had a survey going on over the last number of weeks for the top 100 uniforms in pro sports. I've got the final 10. I'm not going through all 100. Forget that. We can certainly talk about that. Toronto Mayor John Torrey said on Friday that, and I quote, pro sports may not be played until the fall, end quote, in his city. No wonder I heard that if Major League Baseball resumes this season, the Blue Jays may have to play their home games at their spring training uh, site in Dunedin, Florida. I think that's bullshit right there. Totally preposterous in my mind. And and that's the thing that I'm having a problem with. And I want to get... Chris involved right now as I say this. I want his comments on this because they'll be probably much more well thought out than mine. But I think that is bullshit, guys. That like the Lakers practice facility today in Los Angeles is open today, but the Milwaukee Bucks are not. I think for, and I, I, I thought it was Mike Tomlin, the Pittsburgh Steelers coach, that made this comment earlier this week. Everybody needs to be starting at the same time. Everybody in the NBA, everybody, especially in his game, the NFL, everybody in Major League Baseball, everybody in uh, the National Hockey League, they all need to start at the same time. Just because we have some states that are a little bit more aggressive or provinces that are a little bit more aggressive in opening their doors, whereas others are playing at a, probably a little bit closer to the vest, a little bit more concerned about a second wave of this COVID-19 stuff. It, doesn't seem, it seems to me to be a bit of an advantage if Team XYZ gets to start while Team ABC is sitting over here waiting for the governor or the premier of that province to open the doors to their facilities and get this show started again. I just think that's really difficult, guys, when you don't have a uniform start. You cannot allow one team to start and you've got and while another team sits on the sidelines and waits to get their invite to get this party started. I just think that everybody should be starting at the same time as everybody else does, depending on the state or province your team lives in. Some states and/or provinces more aggressive than others to get things open would, to me, would would have a early advantage in getting ready for their respective start to their seasons or the restart of their seasons, as it may be for the National Hockey League and the NBA.
0: You're right. I don't really know what the solution is other than if they do some sort of hub city thing like the NHL is talking about where teams would all have access to some sort of facilities. But I think we're getting to the point where pretty soon most jurisdictions will have their teams be able to get together, you know, no fans or games or anything quite yet, but get together in team facilities, maybe be sequestered there or something. I think they'll look at that. I don't think there will end up being a big discrepancy on when they all get to start. And yes, you're right, it is a bit of an advantage for some, but I think it's just the reality, at least for now. And I'm encouraged by how everything is trending in the right direction now. I've been watching in Alberta, as an example, and new cases... Ever since May first hit, have been below 150 a day in terms of new cases, and ever since May third, they've been below 100 a day. It was like 64 yesterday, right. or so yeah. And it's going. And I remember because about a month ago, the number of recovered cases passed the number of active, and I was excited because it was going in the right direction. But then they just crossed right over again, and it was bad again. Now they have really crossed, and they are going in opposite directions. Now in Alberta over 5,000 people have recovered and only 1,000 people actually still have it. So we've got five times as many recovered as active cases. And again, most of the deaths and the active cases have been essentially from uh, continuing care facilities and also uh, plants, like in terms of uh, meatpacking plants, and right. like Cargill and the, and the Harmony the Beef. Out, the
1: one out in High River out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah and,
0: and all these. And so that's where the biggest problems are. And so because I'm like, who is still contracting this disease now at this point is just weird to me like new cases yesterday like what the where are you going <laughs> that you're getting a new case now that's just weird to me but anyway it's it's gone in the right direction travel has flatlined for a long time and uh, it's, it's all getting a lot better so I mean any day now we are we should be under a thousand active cases and falling maybe even as early as today and uh, that's encouraging and we're just getting the coverage is going up more and more Uh, Up past 5,000, no. So it's encouraging we're getting there. In in fairness, it's been just over two months. And uh, if you would have told everyone a month ago, these stats that I'm saying now, everyone would have taken them in a second. So I I think it's encouraging. And also, by the way, Gary Bettman, because I have said all along on this program, I guarantee the Stanley Cup will be awarded in 2020. And the other day, Gary Bettman said... When asked if uh, there's any chance of canceling the NHL season in 2020, in terms of the 1920 season, right. he said it's not something I'm even contemplating.
1: Excellent news to hear. I've got something here that uh, I, I want to run by you. I know you've heard about it, talking about the National Football League, and um, <clears throat> I, I'm just wondering sometimes about the brain power of some people. That, that are collecting NFL paychecks, not right now, of course, but hopefully sooner rather than later, they will be doing it again. And I'm talking about two specific individuals right now. One is a cornerback from the New York Giants oh, wow. by the name of DeAndre Baker. And the other is a defense is a cornerback that last year was with the Washington Redskins, but has been traded to the Seattle Seahawks. He's a corner by the name of Quinton Dunbar. And these two rocket scientists on Wednesday night. Now, we're still supposed to be showing some kind of social distancing, correct? Maybe not in Florida. I don't know. Maybe that's one of those very aggressive states down there. Florida's pretty opened up. Pretty opened up. Okay. But these two individuals are at a party. And uh, all of a sudden they start. uh, Baker has turned himself into the Broward County Jail on Saturday for four counts of armed robbery with a firearm. And four counts of aggravated assault with a firearm, according to his lawyer, and he again has turned himself in. And of course, they're all claiming that you know we've got affidavits saying that none of this happened and there wasn't a burglary because originally these two guys were looked at and they were there were affidavits out for their arrest as part of an armed robbery investigation.
0: Yeah, I can go over the story of what allegedly Please, happened at go the ahead. at the it was a barbecue in Miami. And they were there. And, I mean, technically you can... I don't know what the exact rules are in Florida, but, I mean, that's where the UFC is holding their events and they've been on the beaches in Jacksonville for a while now. And you're still supposed to stay a little bit apart, but I don't know if they really care. The the problem is a lot of the U.S., uh, I mean, you know from being there, uh, they're so concerned with individual liberty and freedom. Like, it's just an obsession to the point of being a fetish that anything... It is, no question. Anything with... I you know, that's where the gun thing comes from. and, And anything that even looks like it could be an impingement on freedom even if it's something like public health orders to hey like stop making out and spreading the virus it's like oh well that you're just this is the slippery slope you're just trying to take away all our freedoms and the government's over right over the next hill coming to take my guns and all this and it's like no guys it's not always like that but anyway these guys are at a barbecue in miami and I guess an argument broke out. Again, this is all allegedly. This is just word of mouth. This could all be made up for all I know. But the the story in the paper that I read was that they were at a party and just got into an argument. I guess DeAndre Baker and someone started arguing. And basically the way that Baker lost his temper, allegedly, was just by saying, oh yeah, well, fine then. And just pulls out his gun like, oh, okay, we're just going to rob you then. And because he's just so mad at them. And he's like, oh, well, I, I'm i the man, basically. You can't do argue with me.
1: Is it true that one of the two i don't know which one but one of the two supposedly allegedly ordered someone to shoot someone when they came into the party
0: oh i didn't hear about that but uh, what I, all i know is that the alleged story is that baker then uh, you know got his friends one of whom is dunbar right. and i think maybe one or two other guys said okay and, like started ordering them even though he's young like he's like 22 or something and dunbar has been in the league for a few years uh baker then was like oh okay well yeah rob them too i got the gun like hey okay, yeah hand over your watch and your money you know like fuck you guys basically and so because i mean why would you rob when you guys are making millions why would you rob people well, for like they're watching some cash it doesn't make any sense but DeAndre baker i suppose Uh, wasn't probably going to be making much money for that much longer because he's essentially a first-round bust already from a couple years ago. Quinton Dunbar, though, is a very talented guy and was really factoring in huge into the Seahawks' plans this year. The Seahawks are not a very solid team. They rely on Russell Wilson to do everything, but they were looking at having Shaq Griffin and Quinton Dunbar across from each other, maybe trying to make a new Legion of Boom or something and, and rekindle that great defense. And that was a great start. And the Dunbar signing was brilliant. He was great in Dallas. He was great in Washington. And now yeah, I, I feel like almost, I, again, not knowing anything, but if it went down how it sounded, like, it's hard to say I feel bad for him, but for Dunbar, it's like it, it, it almost sounds like it could have been such a spur-of-the-moment thing. All of a sudden, your buddy gets an argument with someone and starts pointing a gun at them. It's like, oh, just take the-. not that you should go along, but— Well,
1: but that's the thing right there. That, that kind of takes me off feeling sorry for him when why these guys are always packing—
0: well, not too. Is that, I mean, the, is
1: that a, a social thing with these guys in this day and age that they've got to be packing when they go down to somewhere well, in Miami? Like, well, in
0: a lot of these southern states, isn't like I mean, in Arizona, for, like aren't people just all walking around with guns all the time? Like,
1: well, for sure. I mean, it, know, but like, I, it's just you know, we are we want the NFL back, obviously, but then you, you hear about two mental midgets like these two, and then you see about the great safety Earl Thomas. Who got in trouble a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. I mean, uh, come on, uh, Earl Thomas is better than that. I thought it just doesn't paint a pretty picture for the National Football League when you've got all their, you know, overpaid overpaid talent. They don't want this kind of exposure right now in the National Football League. This is the last thing that Jane Goodell's no way to avoid husband. It. No oh, way I know. To avoid it. I get that, but with all the testing that they do on these guys, and you know, the Wunderlich test and all this other stuff. You still can't take the kids out of the hoods or the hood out of the kids. Sometimes,
0: no, I? you can't. And it's just, and then you give them a bunch of money and fame, and, and they think they're invent- Like it's it's crazy. I mean, think of all these guys that just never should have had. Like I mean, there's a good chance that DeAndre Baker just might be gutter trash. <laughs> you know, and and this is, this is not a racial thing because when I think of gutter trash, I think of John Rocker as well, right? I oh, mean, yeah, like, for sure. I mean, the whitest guy there is. Sure. And so, you know, there's some of these people just, they should have just had a normal job and been humbled a little bit, but they could do one certain thing well, and then they have all this money, and then they stop growing as people if they ever started. And, uh, you know, they're screwed in the end. But, yeah, this is really bad. I mean, you'd have to think that... I wouldn't even think he'd go to jail for that long, but maybe for a bit. And he was Baker was already bust anyway. Dunbar, who knows? I mean, in fairness, the, the Seattle Seahawks signed Michael Kendricks when he was playing for the Browns and got convicted of insider trading. Right. That's and right. The, yeah. So it's not like the Seahawks are above signing someone who's in trouble with the law. But this is just—it was such a bizarre story. And they they posted an, on the internet. I saw Twitter showed a, an old. Tweet from DeAndre Baker showed him wearing gold chains and stuff. And this is years ago. He's probably like a teenager here. And he's like, I go where the money goes. And it's like, yeah, well, you did. Yeah. Sure. And you took it. And, and now, you know, it's
1: funny when you say that and you brought that up that Dunbar maybe had a good future, potential of a future f- in Seattle as a member of the Seahawks. But you just said it yourself. This is his third team and he's under the age of 25. He's older than the other Yahoo, but this is his third team already. I think this probably was his last chance. And, you know, if you're looking for a last chance, Pete Carroll's a good guy I suppose to play for. Because, I mean, you know, look what he did to USC. <laughs> USC hasn't recovered from the Pete, Pete Carroll days in regard to winning all those national championships. How he won them, well, that's for another day. I do want to switch gears, but staying in the National Football League and uh, talking about the quarterback and one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League. And as you said, and rightfully so, they the Seattle Seahawks live or die with number three, Russell Wilson. I found this really funny, though. And I don't know if there's any truth to it. All I know is that I'm reporting what I read. And supposedly, back in 2018, Hugh Jackson is the coach of the Cleveland Browns at the time. I don't even remember who the hell the general manager is at this time. But Truck Stop Jimmy's still there. And back in 2018, reports indicate that there were at least some initial discussions involving the Cleveland Browns and the Seattle Seahawks involving a trade which would include quarterback Russell Wilson. Now, think about this is in the midst of the Browns going 1 and 31 in 16 and 17. How much different would the Browns look like altogether with a quarterback like Russell Wilson working for you? Now, I truly believe in my heart of hearts, Truck Stop Jimmy would have fucked this up somehow. But just think about it. Would, well, I can tell you right now, I can answer my own question. The answer is no. The Cleveland Browns would have won one more game or more than one game if Russell Wilson had been their quarterback. But can you imagine the difference in the persona of the Cleveland Browns, where the Cleveland Browns are in the standings. I think things would have been totally different in Northeast Ontario, or excuse me, in Northeast Ohio, excuse me, if Russell Wilson is the quarterback, potentially, of the Cleveland Browns. And what would make the Seattle Seahawks even have a preliminary conversation with anybody about trading number three? I think that's silly on both ends.
0: I have a lot of trouble believing that this is true at all. I'm trying to think back if I had heard anything about this at the time, because it sounds familiar in the vaguest web ways, but it would have been stupid. Russell Wilson is a really unique player in that he is one of the very few, and I mean very few players in... Uh, football where you could put them on any team and they would get better. It's like Peyton Manning like that. I think you could probably say the same for Patrick Mahomes. And You think that that would be the same in regard to Russell
1: Wilson impacting a franchise the same as Peyton Manning? Yeah,
0: like look, yeah,
1: like in, in terms of... I take a bit of a an issue with that, just with all due respect to you, but Russell Wilson can do so many more things, in my opinion, than Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning can't run to save his ass.
0: No, that's true. But Peyton Manning is the... But I mean, Peyton Manning has advantages too. Peyton Manning is the smartest uh, football player in history, as far as I'm concerned, on the field. And uh, you could make the case that he was an even better passer, but maybe not. I mean, Russell Wilson is like the top deep ball guy, so maybe not. But I mean, Peyton Manning was literally a football genius. And so that, that counts for something. And Russell Wilson's a smart player too, but I mean, Peyton Manning is like I just one don't think
1: there are limitations as to what Russell Wilson can do on a football field. I
0: just I wasn't trying to compare them that way. I was trying to say that even if you take an all-time list of, of football players, uh, those are two of the very few who would be on it in terms of they can single-handedly change a franchise completely because in a star-driven league like the NBA, if you have... Uh, LeBron James or Michael Jordan in their prime. You can stick them on any team and that sure. team won't be last in the league. Correct. It'll be actually quite good. Like one player.
1: Look at the Lakers this year. Yeah.
0: Like put Giannis on any team. Like you can do that. You typically in football, like I mean, Christian McCaffrey was by any advanced metrics or any metrics at all, was by far the best player in the NFL last year, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Like in fantasy, he beat the next best running back, who was Aaron Jones actually by like 156 fantasy points like it, and that's in half PPR so it's almost 200 in PPR I think it's unbelievable and yet the Panthers were what 5 and 11 yeah and think about the numbers that McCaffrey put up behind that offensive line
1: mm-hmm. which was not very good yeah um I'm going to say this and I and I this is again the no filter thing if I were a general manager in the National Football League right now one person if I was given the option of bringing one player one current player in the national football league from any roster onto my roster i believe in my heart of hearts that that call for me would go to
0: russell wilson and there's i a, really believe that there's a good case for that uh, maybe mahomes just cuz he's a lot younger a,
1: that's a great point no question no question but i just From my familiarity and the way that I like to watch him play, and this is not a shot at Patrick Mahomes by any way, shape, or form, because Patrick Mahomes is going to be a multiple winner of NFL MVP awards and potentially Super Bowls. But having said that, there's something about Russell Wilson's game. I think if you put Russell Wilson in the slot as a slot receiver, he could make a difference. I think Russell Wilson as a cornerback could make a difference on your football team. I just think... The unbelievable, uh, you could utilize him in so many different ways and and the flexibility that you would have with a Russell Wilson, especially if you're not, I mean, let's be honest. Last year, folks, just just let's just take this last year. The Seattle Seahawks played San Francisco twice, very toughly last year. And San Francisco, I mean, excuse me, Seattle was not that good. Seattle did much better against San Francisco than Green Bay did and Green Bay had a 13 and 3 record and beat Seattle in the playoffs. The I don't think the Seahawks even make the playoffs without Russell Wilson no. on their
0: roster. No, the Seahawks are a terrible team without him, especially now. And that's what I, that's all I was really trying to say is that if he would have gone to the Browns, that they could have even Truck up Jimmy, could have fucked up everything else <laughs> and they still would have been okay because again, First of all, I don't know if there's any position that you can play in football that can single where you can single-handedly make a massive difference in the team if the whole rest of the team is terrible. Other than quarterback, right. like maybe if you've got Lawrence Taylor in his prime, eh, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean. But yeah, it's just yeah, yeah. Yeah. it's tough. Uh, so it, it basically has to be quarterback. And then even if you're a really good quarterback. Like, I don't think you can just put Dak Prescott on any team and make a difference. Like, and even, I'm sure there's been lots of great quarterbacks. If you, I don't know if you could just stick them on a team and the rest of the team's terrible and they just make it better. There are just a very few examples of that. Peyton Manning, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Lamar Jackson, if he kept playing like this, maybe. But I mean, I I wonder how much of it is having to make sure the team is sort of geared to him and all that and and the coaching and everything. So there's some special... Cases there, but I mean, I don't know. I, I think that Russell Wilson is very unique in that the NFL, which is not a star-driven league where you typically can just have one player make all the difference in the world, like basketball, Russell Wilson is very unique in that way. And the thought that they would trade him for the first overall pick, who did they want at the first overall pick? Like Baker Mayfield? Yeah. Like I I doubt it. They wouldn't replace Russell with him. So maybe if they just really, really wanted Saquon Barkley that badly yeah, yeah. but the thing is if you take Russell Wilson away from the Seahawks that's a bad football team oh and for he, sure and he covers up so much not the least of which is the offensive line which just never gets addressed for some reason because well why because they they run block well enough and they just keep it on the ground and and with him and it all seems to work okay and it's just bizarre uh, if the, Russell the, yeah. Wilson's
1: not in Seattle I truly believe John Schneider and Pete Carroll lose their jobs
0: yeah, for sure they do. Like, I mean, they're just not relevant without Russell Wilson. Oh, if if Russell Wilson is available for anything, and I know he's like what thirty one now, yeah, uh, you have to make a play for that. Like, if you are a team, like let's say you're in the AFC West and you're in this arms race, and you're like, geez, we we have to play Patrick Mahomes for the next fifteen years. Yeah, like we've got to get serious, and that's why you see all of those teams really loading up the offense the Denver Broncos just went crazy Chargers, with all yep. their guys yeah char- yeah like all three of their division op- opponents there yep. um are doing all sorts of stuff there so if I was them I I would be like oh geez you, Russell Wilson like that's what you need practically to compete against Patrick Mahomes you need like a Lamar Jackson or something like that so yeah Russell Wilson's a very special player is the point there and the thought that they would have considered trading him for the first overall pick, especially in that draft, like maybe in some drafts, maybe if there was some yeah. really special player, I don't know. Like, like who's a recent first overall pick that, well, I mean, now we have the benefit of hindsight too, but I mean, or even like any, like what first overall pick of all time, you know, if they were coming out now, just knowing of people knew in the drafting days, would you have traded him for like Peyton? Ma- like if Peyton Manning was younger than Russell Wilson, yeah. maybe that. I, like
1: I don't have an answer to that right off the top of my head.
0: It's it's hard. So I mean, the thought that they would do that is 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 shocking to the point of even the poorly run Seahawks. I can't believe that they would have considered that.
1: I got to run this one by you before we get out of here on this five hundred and sixth episode of Unscripted. I believe that's the right number. Here's a real funny one. Our buddy Greg might not think it's so funny, but. I found this hilarious. Hall of Fame running back Eric Dickerson, of course, ran for, let's see, 2,105 yards. He holds the all-time single-season rushing record in the National Football League back when the Rams were in Los Angeles the first time when they played out at Angel Stadium out in Anaheim. But Dickerson, who these days hangs out as the L.A. Rams vice president of business development, wink, wink, what that means is He goes off and plays golf with team sponsors and season ticket holders who pay big money to play golf with the Hall of Famer. Eric Dickerson came out this week and rips the team for their new uniforms. My question as an employee of the team, my question, I guess, as an employee of the team, his comments about the uniforms need to be kept in-house for crying out loud. You do not want to have one of your You know, good guys, one of your team legends out there bashing the team uniforms. Derek Dickerson should be smarter than that. I know he went to SMU, but it is a private school. Um, It's not in the SEC, but Eric Dickerson, in my opinion, needs to be a little bit. He needs to find a filter. I don't think it's a good thing. I mean, the Rams, I don't mind their uniforms. I don't mind their new uniforms. I like them a lot better than that white on white crap, but they aren't perfect. But still, when you have a guy that's still on the payroll, what if you went out on a rampage as much as you like working for your current employer and started ripping your current employer, they would have something to say to you. I think somebody needs to tune up Eric Dickerson here and remind him, hey, listen, dude, you're still getting a paycheck. You're still a representative of the Los Angeles Rams organization, and if you have a problem with the team's new uniforms, keep it in-house, talk to our people, but don't broadcast your ideas and your thoughts about our team uniform who have been getting the shit, you know, people have been talking about those uniforms pretty much this whole offseason. I think somebody in Rams land needs to tune up Eric Dickerson a little bit.
0: Well, yeah, you talk about having no filter. I mean, Eric Dickerson is a great example of that. And when you've had that kind of fame and fortune, you just did something when you were younger, played football and were good at it, and then you got to do it as an adult, and you, you never had to get beaten down by the 9-to-5 world like a lot of us. And so you, he just has always been like that. He's he's not going to change now. There's No, no way I, I get that. That's but... just who he is. That'll never change. And, and, you know, I don't mind the honesty. In fairness, uh, those uniforms have been universally bashed. I'm not happy with them. I try not to just criticize new uniforms. I generally like new uniforms. All the other ones you had listed earlier uh, are all like, they all look like really minor tweaks to me. I mean, no one's, no one's doing anything too radical. Like the Bucks didn't all of a sudden bring back the creamsicles or something. Too bad. Yeah. Which is too bad, of course. But man, like how much fun, like just like, oh man, I would just love to see some white and neon orange or something, man. I would really like that. But yeah, I, I appreciate that they're trying something new. They were the only ones who tried to take a chance. But like the numbers like faded yellow to white it looks weird. It reminds me of like the failed Jags helmets that were the two colors. And, uh, and and just the uniforms just look cheap. They look really cheap. The numbers even look cheap on them. I just I don't mind the shade of blue like the sh- the shades of blue and yellow look OK. Like I, I like
1: the helmet. I'm sorry. I kind of like the helmet.
0: Really? Uh, have I seen It's a
1: metallic blue?
0: Yeah, I don't I don't mind the I don't, shades. I don't, yeah, it's it's the colors. I don't I'm not mind the shade of blue or the shade of yellow. I don't mind right, that. But right. I mean they had the fancy penis logo that even they <laughs> have kind of gotten rid of. They but again I still have a problem with the logo looking a little more like a Chargers logo than a Rams logo. Right. That that that's just that's just clearly designed by somebody who's never who doesn't know football, some graphic designer who doesn't know football, which is just annoying. And overall, I just don't I don't like them at all. I, th- I just really think they look cheap. And I think the design looks really amateurish. And uh, it's really disappointing for an LA team and a team that I like. Really disappointed in that. I don't really get it. I was talking to our buddy Greg about it, a big Rams fan. And he said, what was wrong with the old ones? And I didn't have an answer. I know they... I appreciate they're starting at a new stadium. This is I know supposed that, to be a new thing.
1: I like their uniforms... Before they moved to St. Louis, when they were always the blue with the yellow numbers and then that cool mm-hmm. Ram insignia or logo on the side, I always liked those Rams. And I don't know why they couldn't just go back to that in some variation
0: of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I know think they're, they're
1: trying, but they're missing it. They, wanna, missing they want to miss the point.
0: I appreciate Look, I appreciate updating and the modern looks, and I'm one of the last guys that'll... Long for uh, an old-fashioned-looking uniform. I mean, how many uniforms in the '70s or '80s looked horrible oh God, or yeah. ugly, like just horrible? So I am not the type to ask for that. I usually think that old uniforms are often ugly, but and I like I like again, I like the colors. They they almost could have gotten it, but they just didn't. And I thought it really failed. And I appreciate Eric Dickerson's honesty. And honestly, if you're the Rams and you hire an Eric Dickerson, you know what you're getting yourself into. That's their own fault. If they wanted just some random yes man, then they should have hired that. If they want an honest guy who's a legend, but then that's the give and the take there, then you hire Eric Dickerson, and he's going to say what he wants to say, and people will admire the authenticity.
1: Before we get out of here, I do... um, Have you been keeping tabs on what you're... You have great respect for this guy, and that's why I wanted to bring this name up. Have you been keeping tabs as to what Marshall Yanda's doing these days?
0: Yeah, uh, same as Joe Thomas. Yeah, he lost a bunch of weight
1: 66 pounds he's lost. He's gone from 312 pounds at the end of last season. He's lost 66 pounds. He's down to 246, and he looks
0: fabulous. And Joe Thomas, same thing. Same thing. Oh, absolutely. Like gone from in the 300s to mid 200s. And yeah, like Joe Thomas is swimming all the time. I don't know. What's this guy doing? I don't know. I think this guy said he's, I think Marshall Yanda said he's, eating a bunch of tuna or something. He,
1: well, he's changed his eating habits and obviously he's still working out like a demon. But, you know, he only retired months ago, really. really. Oh, Thomas the did the, the same season, thing though. Like, I, I Yeah, get a, few, that, to a but few months and I, totally different. I, I just, uh, I know you've mentioned how many times this guy is one of the best guards to ever play oh, in the yeah, NFL. Fantastic, yeah. And here's the guy who takes this to another level in regard to weight loss. And he's lost 66 pounds already. And I saw a quick picture of him this morning. He looks fabulous. Holy crap. Sean Nichols, good friend of ours, good friend of the show, our new uh, fantasy football guru. We've given him a title. Our, our free, uh, fantasy football advisor uh, was part of our 500th episode. But I wonder if he's a little bit concerned about this. And maybe I'm the only one that is interested in this. But Detroit Lions quarterback Matthew Stafford's house in suburban Detroit. It is beautiful. It is Unbelievable. But his house in suburban Detroit went up for sale on Thursday. Coincidence or not?
0: I don't know why else he would sell it. And and I've been wondering about the silence this year. Like everyone has just assumed that Matthew Stafford is coming back. But between his bad back and his, uh, and I've heard it's supposed to be better now. But just, it's been weird to me that no one's just said, yes, Stafford's coming back, Stafford's starting back to normal. Right. There's been none of that, but everyone seems to be assuming it. So I'm very concerned. I mean, in fantasy, people are just drafting Kenny Galladay and DeAndre Swift, just willy-nilly and no problem. Even even Marvin Jones is getting drafted. Can I just say, from a fantasy perspective, if you're drafting Marvin Jones in 2020, you're just a boring person. (laughs) Sorry, you need some more creativity. Draft a young guy. Filter, filter. Do some reading. I have nothing against Marvin Jones. Seems like a really nice guy. Right. I've always liked him a lot. Uh, I liked him on the Bengals and everything. But from a fantasy perspective in 2020, even if Stafford does play, that's a ridiculous pick, especially where he's going. I mean, if you got him with your last pick of the draft, like, okay, sure. But in the middle of the draft, it's just, it's crazy. So kids, that's your fantasy update and recommendation for the day. Don't draft Marvin Jones. And I'm sure... Even our resident fantasy guy and Detroit Lions fan Sean Nichols would agree with that.
1: Did you see inside this house? It's got not inside.
0: I just saw the outside. It, the
1: uh, the in, I saw both, but the inside of this house has the actual floor in it, half court of the old Auburn, the 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 uh, the Palace of Auburn Hills, where the Detroit Pistons used oh, to wow. play. The one half of the court, the actual physical floor, is in his house, and. Um, but I, I, I don't know what's going on there. All I know is that, for all the reasons that you just made mention, I think there's a slim possibility that Matthew Stafford is playing somewhere else in 2020.
0: Yeah, it's weird that it hasn't been talked about. Uh, they, they better call Cam Newton pretty quick if they get rid of Matthew Stafford.
1: Well, you can't go into next season. I don't even know who the backup is. It doesn't even matter in Detroit. You have no chance. And It'll
0: um, well, be some of those guys that they tried out last year. Remember they tried yeah. like, oh, some yeah. of those yeah. no-name heroes? Yeah.
1: yeah. But uh, I just, may, again, as I said, maybe I'm the only one interested in this, but I think there's something going on beyond this, behind the scenes in Detroit. Uh, and I just... You know this is maybe just the first the first domino to fall in line here when Matthew Stafford puts his beautiful suburban Detroit home up for sale on Thursday. So keep your eyes on that. I think something's happening behind the scenes in Detroit, and I hope for Matthew Stafford's sake, if he does get traded, he goes to a place where he has a chance to potentially uh, compete for a championship. Mm-hmm. I just hate it when guys are seemingly good guys. Great players, and they've had a shitload of them in Detroit that have just not had the opportunity to compete for a championship. Obviously, everybody knows the list. Um, Barry Sanders, uh, Megatron. I mean, and and there's more. There's more than just those guys. But uh, those guys, those guys retired prematurely because they just couldn't take the pounding and the, and the mental strain of losing year after year after year. There's a reason why it's been since 1954 for the Detroit Lions organization. We've got to run on this 506th episode of Unscripted. Still a lot of things to cover this week, and we'll get to it. But first, we've got to put a ribbon on this one. And we'll do that by saying, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.